This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we brought in Duncan Moore of the Storage Grid team to give us the latest on WebScale 10.4. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi, and we are all in the studio today, except for Andrew, of course, naturally. Uh, Glenn is sitting next to me. Hi, Glenn. How you doing, Justin? Doing great. Thanks for asking. Looking at me like I'm not. Do I look pale? No. Gaunt? No. 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 Maybe. Maybe a little little lighter than you were last week. I'm a little week. lighter in the in the in the shoes here. Uh, yeah. So last week we didn't have a podcast, uh, and that's because I had an appendicitis incident where I had to get my appendix taken out, and I am less the man than I was when I went in. Well, well you know, addition through subtraction. <laughs> they did the wrong procedure then. <laughs> they did. They did. <laughs> well, um, it's it's kind of funny. I was thinking about it when I so they put you under, of course. Thank God. <laughs> but uh, they do it, and they when you wake up, you're like, you wake up and your belly's shaved, and you've got like this red paint on you, the iodine, and you feel like you're at, you just got out of the hangover. Like you're missing an organ, like you know, Charlie the Unicorn. I could I could see Charlie. that. Well, sir, we're glad that you made it through it yeah, uh, in one too. piece. Yeah, uh, yeah. The listeners, we're, we apologize for missing our episode. We're going to get back on the schedule and make up for it, though. And we've got a hot one today for you. We do. We're going to drop it like it's hot. Uh, we got Duncan Moore in the studio today, and Duncan's going to tell us what he does here at NetApp. Thanks for having me. This is Duncan Moore. I'm here out of our RTP facility at NetApp, been with NetApp going on 18 years now. And I lead the product management and tech marketing teams that build our object storage product, Storage Grid WebScale. Excellent. And we actually haven't had Duncan in here, unfortunately, since episode 23, which is when we talked about Storage Grid WebScale 10.2. So we got a little catching up to do. Yeah. No, we've done a lot since then. Uh, you know, we're on a six-month release cadence with, with Storage Grid, and we're just uh, – this podcast will come out with the launch of our 10.4 product, which is our – Fifth release in two and a half years. Yeah, I remember uh, we, we the show had a different name at the time, but we, we brought you on for the 10.0 launch when we first announced the six-month release cadence. And, man, it is... It, it's no gotta, one believed us. <laughs> I kind of didn't. I'll be completely honest. But but here we are, five releases later. You guys have been like clockwork. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd, I'd like to take credit. Marcel LaForce, who leads the development side of the house, man, those guys are on top of it. So, and these are not little releases, as you'll find out as we start diving into what we've been delivering. All right, let's let's start to do that. So, you know, like I said, 10.2 is the last time we checked in. What happened in 10.3? Everything changed. Excellent. Yeah. Next. <laughs> yeah. So 10.4. Yeah. No, so yeah, 10.3, uh, we changed a ton. 10.3. So the basic look and feel of the product, complete overhaul of the UI. Um, you wouldn't recognize it. Uh, Something that's interesting, though, I should kind of say how we did the UI overhaul. Okay. The UI is written using our own APIs. Ah, yes! Right? So this is part of our, you know, API-first kind of approach to things. So, you know, we recognize at scale a lot of people, you know, the UI might be neat to look at, but, hey, I have an orchestration engine. I write my own amazing scripts. Help me do that. So, you know, everything we can do with the UI, you can do yourself. 
So that's that's a key uh, a key feature, I would say, of the UI is that you could write a better one yourself if you want. No so, problem. So what you're telling me is not only are you releasing every six months on the dot, you're also doing it in a way that makes sense. <laughs> that, that's always the goal, right? It, it, it turns out if you do it in a way that makes sense, you can release more often. That is very true. <laughs> Is it open sourced at all? Are you like taking like plug in like submissions from people yet, or is that not going to happen? No, I mean, and you know, it's just like any other major piece of software, there's certainly open source components in there, right? But we are not open sourcing storage grid right now. Yeah, that's so we do have, um, so I'm sure you guys talk about the pub all the time on here, oh, yeah. right? Right. So there is an uh, increasing in size repository on the pub of storage grid stuff now. Um, examples of applications people have written using our APIs, uh, as well as um, you know scripts to do basic monitoring and dashboards and things like that. So we're seeing you know a, more of a community developing around the product as well. So that's really cool. Uh, and that's NetApp.io if you're if you're interested in looking at that. There you go. So a couple other things. Uh, 10.3. We have always had a really robust S3 protocol implementation, um, and one of the newer features of the S3 protocol is something called object versioning, and we've added support for object versioning in, in 10.3 as well. And you can think of that as almost like uh, snapshots at an object level. So like previous versions are kept, hmm. right? And we've done some more things with that in 10.4 to to basically automate some of the things we expect people would want to do, like create almost like a recycle bin capability that you can use at a bucket level for object versions, right? Uh, what else? Uh, we uh, removed a requirement that you have to have SLES uh, as an operating system for us to install on. And so in 10.3, uh, we basically had the ability with our distribution uh, for Debian to ship the whole product without having to have someone download another OS. And I'll give you a, something that kind of foreshadows what we did in 10.4. In 10.3, when you deploy us in a software-defined uh, mode, which if, if people don't recall, Storage Grid is a software-defined object store. It can be deployed a lot of different ways. You can deploy it in VMware. You can deploy it in OpenStack. You can deploy it as purpose-built appliances. Uh, if you deploy us in 10.3 in VMware, we actually are Docker containers in a Debian guest. <laughs> right? So I you love think, it. Yeah, so that kind of foreshadows what was the next step in 10.4, right? Yeah. So we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, um, boy, uh, you know, and the installation and provisioning in 10.3 just became super fast, super easy. So uh, people who haven't looked at this product in a long time might recall storage. Go, wow, it's really cool. It's, you know, it's rock solid, but it's a little complex. Yeah. I had a broadcast customer of a large uh, entertainment company in Germany deployed 16 petabytes of storage grid web scale in five and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. So, so what were some of the challenges that people were running into with the implementation and how did you address those? Uh, so, you know, a lot of it was just in the automation capabilities that we were, uh, th that we had within the installation process. Um, that the fact that we had that separate provision SLES environment, and we couldn't, we couldn't send the whole box of bits to you at once, right? By by having the master distribution agreement for Debian and the bits, this this greatly simplified itself. And again, foreshadowing when we talk about 10.4 in a minute, you'll see how we make it even easier. Um, we've also continued to make the appliance deployment 
very, very simple, right? You know, the, our appliances ship with uh, this bit of software on Flash on the appliance on a, uh, an MSATA device, basically, that we call it the PGE or pre-grid environment. And it basically says, oh, I'm a storage grid appliance, and it kickstarts the installation process. So th- that's become very, very simple as well. Um, not, not, not to jump around too much, but since you brought it up, I'm curious, uh, the appliance, is that still primarily a, a uh, on-ramp for you guys, or, or are we seeing that as, as a real deployment vehicle for customers? Uh, it's definitely a real deployment vehicle. In fact, I see software only as more the on-ramp. So Interesting. The behavior that I see is typically at a, you know, someone's doing a pilot or a small deployment, they're getting going. That'll be software only. They'll do that in you know a VMware environment, OpenStack environment, or the new one we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and then as they get to scale and they start growing, and, and a lot of these environments, once you say, all right, this looks good, let's turn the thing on, they grow fast, right? Yeah. Um, at that point, we see the buying behavior turn frequently to buying appliances because it's just, you know, for you – 600 terabytes of storage yeah. that you can just rack and stack that has the compute and the networking and everything all in it. It's just easier. It's, it's funny. It occurs to me that I just messed this up. When I said appliance, I meant the virtual appliance, not the storage grid hardware appliance. The storage grid hardware appliance is actually how I envisioned the majority of storage grid being deployed just because the efficiency at, at the, the persistence tier when we actually write it out. Then you were right. You weren't wrong. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I right. confused the, the everyone virtual, along the way. So <laughs> the virtual appliance is definitely kind of the on-ramp. Okay. Right? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Wait and we do minute. have some large-scale software deployments as well. I, I see what you did there. You were wrong, and then you decided, no, 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 no. What I meant was what you just said. <laughs> yes, yes. It's called a uh, well you know, done. It's presidential. What do you, you want? You are from a me? marketing genius. <laughs> we're not going there, are we? Ne- never. Okay. <laughs> so ten dot three. Uh, any other enhancements we want to call out? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, there was a lot of stuff in there. There's a big list. I mean, we did uh, AD Federation for uh, uh, basically the IAM level access controls and so on. Oh, okay. Uh, so just integration with AD, being able to use your identities within the yeah. domain, so not having to like, deal with all that ex- external stuff. Yep. Um, and what's important to point out in 10.3, that it was, it was one AD domain per grid. Um, but when we moved, I think we can jump to 10.4. Yeah, 10.3, that's, that's old news. That's it old was news. Cool. Let's go on to 10.4. Yeah, and 10.3 was an awesome release. I mean, there were a lot of us that said, you know, we should probably call this 11.0. But by the time we were thinking, gosh, they, development got so much stuff in here, we should call it 11.0. The ship had sailed with everything that would let us do versions, right? So um, so not to dismiss 10.3, probably our biggest release to date. Uh, 10.4, though, uh, which, again, we're sitting here on the, as far as you know, on the launch date. Uh, 10.4, we had one more way to deploy, and I think you can probably guess from all the <laughs> poor attempts at foreshadowing, we can now deploy in bare metal in Docker containers. Yeah! So uh, we're going out the door with RHEL and CentOS support, um, and you know I'm sure there will be more to follow. Oh, RHEL and CentOS. So usually what we do is we just do RHEL, and they're like, all right, because it has support. But CentOS, we kind of say, good luck. Hey, um, I love the I, fact that I you're like, listing, yeah, yeah that you're calling that out. Because that's something that, I mean, customers do that math every time. When you say RHEL, there's someone in the back of the room that thinks CentOS every single time. So yeah. to just come right out and do it, absolutely. Yep. Uh, a lot of multi-tenant uh, capabilities that we added in the 10.4 product. So I mentioned, hey, single AD domain in 10.3. Now we can do an AD domain per tenant Ooh. in 10.4. 
And to make this even easier for our, you know, we have a lot of customers on this product that are service providers. To make it easier for them, we've added a tenant-level administrator role. And, and it's that administrator, the tenant admin, that can configure the AD relationships and so on. So it's, it, it is, you know, we've already had a lot of good business with our service provider uh, partners and customers, and this is just going to make it even easier for them to consume. <laughs> Keystone support in OpenStack. Uh, so we're supporting, we've, we've always supported, uh, or we've supported for a few versions, uh, storage grid being deployed in an OpenStack environment, mm-hmm. virtualized by KVM. We've also supported the Swift API, so that you know applications written to communicate via Swift can talk to storage grid. Uh, now we've, I, I think we've tentatively completed OpenStack at this point with Keystone support. Finished. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I just love the visual there. We've completed OpenStack. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, you know, there's always someone that's going to come back with something else. But, uh, you know, th- that was a big one. Yeah, you got do a victory lap on that. That's a big mountain to climb. That took a long time. That's yeah. a big ecosystem with a, that asks a lot from an object store. Yeah, no, it, it certainly does. Uh, you know, I, what I'm not seeing, you know, maybe I'm not allowed to say this or not, but I'm not seeing as massive objects in OpenStack deployments. I believe that. It was right. a bunch of engineers sitting around saying, what might they need? Not a bunch of customers saying, we need this. Right. Uh, you know, and, and in the S3 space, that, you know, S3 as a protocol, number one, is, you know, by far huge adoption, you know, compared to Swift, what we see, right? I mean, and uh, we're seeing more and more verticals moving to change their applications that are dealing with massive unstructured data sets to speak object. So that's something that, you know, in our when we started this podcast at 10.0, I said, hey, listen, you know, a lot of this file stuff is eventually going to be object. Yeah. And, you know, the last time we talked was, hey, a few more of these things are working with object. Now I'm at the point that, you know, there's verticals like media and entertainment, as an example, that the momentum behind object adoption is we've got ISVs coming to us going, hey, you know, we'd really love to have an on-premises enterprise object store. We, you know, we trust NetApp. You've been a big partner to us in media in your other platforms. Tell me what you're doing with Storage Grid. So it's it's great to be the chased as opposed to the chaser uh, with a lot of these these partnerships now. So... Could you go into a little more detail? Why is it that you think people are moving away from file in some cases and onto object? The technical reasons. So I think the technical reasons haven't changed, which is, you know, object, when you're dealing with massive scale, and particularly when you're dealing with scale across geography, there's huge advantages to object, being able to spread that namespace across multiple data centers, right? I mean, and to the NetApp folks um, that are familiar with what we've done in ONTAP recently with flex groups, you might go, well, what would I do with flex groups and what would I do? What would you do with flex groups? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so flex groups is an awesome solution. I, I, I happen to agree. And, uh, and you guys are involved in that somehow, I see. He's the flex groups TME. Oh, he is? Oh, am I? <laughs> All right. Weird. Polishing the right apple here. Yeah, there we go. There we <laughs> but, go. That's, that's... But, I mean, I... I, I as much as there's areas where those th- those two things could potentially overlap, there's other areas where, boy, it, flex groups is a perfect fit here, or storage grid is a perfect fit there. You know, and it's, for storage grid, it's pretty easy. If if the applications are speaking object APIs, well, this is our product in that space. If the namespace has to span geographies, that's probably a really good fit for for an object store and storage grid in particular. 
Now, if it's high-performance transactional data against massive data sets, man, that's flex groups right there. Absolutely. So how how does the object store handle the locking mechanisms, or is there any locking in place? Because that's kind of been one of the challenges with spanning geographies, right, is the locking. So that's the magic of object yeah, APIs, yeah. right? So I mean, if you I was look at, at. <laughs> if you go, you know, when I when I give the kind of object one hundred and one class, right, and I say, hey, listen, you know, object stuff is so easy. You know what it is when you want to put something in an object store? The command is put. <laughs> you know, you know what it is when you want to get something out, guys. Uh, you get it? Uh, yes. Get. And do you know what it is when you want to update it? I'm going to go with update. Ha, trick question. There isn't one. There isn't one. Yes. And if there isn't one, you don't have to do locking, right? Correct. It's so correct. It's a put, actually. <laughs> and with your version, put. we now have version control. So when you put over it, we keep the old one. We do. And, you know, and even... SharePoint. And even in this massive environment, we're... Do you want to hit him for that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I'm, it's okay. No, I was just pretending it didn't happen. Right, you called better. attention I'm to sorry. it. JK, lol. <laughs> so... Uh, even in a massively distributed environment, so let's say you take a namespace and spread it across 16 data centers and you got 100 billion things in there and I do a put, I am read after, read after insert uh, or read after write 100% consistent across the entire namespace. Mm. So, you know, it's... You know, there's, there's, you can do different consistency levels with Storage Grid as well. So, you know, if I do an overwrite of an object, that's not going to be read after write across the entire namespace, right? Because I could potentially have older metadata cache somewhere. But for a new object, it's 100% read after write. Um, but yeah, the the short answer is that that lack of an update kind of helps things out a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a place to get the entire object that you need without having to worry about any of the other mechanisms in place that could interfere. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd be interested in Duncan's take on this, but but I we used to have the conversation about like, you know, which one's gonna win as if there was a, a, a possibility of an end without both. And I've just come to the conclusion that that they're good at different things and, and who knows where the slider's gonna land at the end, but we're gonna have both. Yeah. So I mentioned at the beginning I'm old, right? <laughs> I've been here a while. So when we launched SnapMirror in 1999 with Date on Tap 5.3, codename Bex, for those that remember and have the shirt, right? Whoa. I remember running around, and I was the NDMP guy, too, going, tape is dead, right? Ooh. Still here. <laughs> it's still here, right? <laughs> Files are not dead, right? I mean, yeah. there, there's, wow. you know, there is a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of use cases that object isn't the answer. Um, but the ones where it is, it's the only it's, one. It's the only one. I mean, yeah. it's solving problems that you just can't solve any other way. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm maybe I'm overly bullish, whatever. But but I've personally l- just looked at what the team's been able to do with Storage Grid, and I've long thought that our net private storage play we should be leading with Storage Grid, not on tap. I'll go. I'll go head to head with the big S three any day of the week. So you know, here's a, here's a customer plug, right? And the, these guys are externally referenceable, and I think there's stuff on netapp.com. Um, there's a company called ASE. Um, they're a service provider out of Australia and and growing rapidly. And they're a service provider that specializes in media. And one of the one of their use cases is they'll host in Storage Grid. You know, you as a media customer, your media asset repository. But then they do that in an NPS way. They do it in an Equinox data center direct mm. connected to Amazon and take advantage of Amazon's Elastic Transcoding service and other media services against storage grid. So, 
I mean, that that's NPS for storage grid, right? Yeah. And it's in production. It's been in production for over a year and serving multiple customers in the media industry. So I, th- I think that's a real use case. Yeah. It's just, it's the, um, you can't, obviously you can't beat the, the flexibility and elasticity of, of the hyperscalers. But, but when you have a large lake, right, when you've got a couple petabytes under your belt and you're looking at how am I going to keep my hands around this for the next 50 years and be, make it useful, not just keep it, but but be, be useful, be able to do things with it. Uh, I just look at what Storage Grid can do and what the team's built over the past you know five years, and it's just it's night and day as far as I'm concerned. It's 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 head and shoulders above its competition inside the enterprise space. The only real competition it has is the Godfather, and even there, as I said, I'll go head to head. I don't care. And I, honestly, <laughs> it's it's not even going to be competition in the future. I mean. We're looking at fabric pools, right? That's there you true. go. Got your can we talk client. about that on here? We can. We, yeah, we, we right. talked about it once already, and we're going to talk about it again. So fabric pools is on the horizon, and it will integrate with storage grid at some point. Oh, yeah. Yep. So uh, it, we are the on-premises supported object store for fabric pools. You said it right. On-premises and not on-prem. Is that one of your things? No, that... on, so so the the the, uh, the contention is premises versus premise. My my thing is is people who get on that as a thing. <laughs> it's, it's like the SIFS or SMB argument. It's why who cares? You know what yeah. I mean? Windows. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So that fabric pools. I think that's just another you know proof point to to anyone who's thinking about is NetApp actually delivering data fabric, right? Here's one more major component. You know, we've got the tiering from SolidFire natively via S3 to Storage Grid. We've got the AltaVault stuff. Um, we've got Storage Grid itself tiering into Amazon, and now, we, now we're extending this to, to NetApp's crown jewels, right, to cluster data on tap or data on tap. I guess we don't say clustered anymore, but... Yeah, we just call it on tap. But on tap, okay. So, I mean, what you're looking at here is less of a portfolio and more of an ecosystem. Yep, yep. Uh, and I, you know, to the point you were making about uh, being able to leverage the elasticity of Amazon, if you look at the NetApp portfolio, we're putting all the interconnections in to recognize the fact that data in its life cycle is going to need to live in different places at different times yeah. and take advantage of different elements of the portfolio. And whoever can do that, the best wins. And I think I, I can't see another portfolio out there that that has these movement capabilities that we do. And it's just getting better. I mean, we're adding more and more to it. And, you know, things have been announced at Insight already for next year and, you know, and that sort of thing. So, I mean, we, we're, we're on the way of just making this a very seamless uh, architecture. Absolutely. So uh, any, uh, anything else in, in 10.4 that jumps off the top of your, your, the sheet there that, that we, we, we'd go to <laughs> prison if we I'm not looking at any sheets. He's like, this, not, is, he's, this is all <laughs> up his head. This, don't you hear how organically he's top saying it? Top of the sheet is a figure of speech. <laughs> in what country? In mine. Okay. Okay, Glenn so Cordia. I'll, I'll, I'll cut this out, boys. <laughs> uh, so some other features. Uh, uh, we talked about the multi-tenancy. We talked about the Docker deployment capabilities. Those are big ones. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we continue to improve performance and scalability release after release. Right. A lot of it is not fundamental changes to the product. It's just, you know, the conservative nature of NetApp. We, you know, it's QA, right? Yeah. It's we want to make sure we're really comfortable with everything because listen, this is people's data and you can't screw it up, right? If you were around when we launched 
ASIS, which is now dedupe, you know, volume limits and aggregate limits, they were pretty small in the beginning. You know, the product didn't fundamentally change. We just got way more comfortable in how to deploy it. Uh, 10.4, we can scale an individual storage node. So think an appliance uh, can hold 500 million objects now. Um, and the thing that made that happen is our ability to do the metadata scanning to support our policies is significantly faster in 10.4. We made some changes to the way we do what we call ILM scanning. I, I think the number one of the engineering leaders gave to me when I said, how fast is fast, right? And he said something like 7 billion a day. So how many nodes can we put into the cluster then, Duncan? If we can put 500 million files per node... So we're still, you know, I know where the conversation's going. We're still saying, you know, 100, 100 billion objects, right? So still I don't mind boggling yeah. to me. And, and, you know, and I have people going, well, so-and-so says they can do unlimited. You know, I say, well, show me their unlimited deployment, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Show me how it's not just math. Yeah. I, so I think, you know, we're going to continue to inject reality into the marketing conversations about object sizing. And, you know, when someone says, you know, show me something at scale. I'll say, you know, show me where you guys have deployed, you know, 16 petabytes in five hours, you know, to production, right? Absolutely. I, so I think we can we can win by showing what we're doing in real life and not have to build phony spreadsheets. Well, I still I the. the I didn't I didn't actually get into this, but the reason that I am personally so bullish on Storage Grid is the policy engine. It's what's missing in the rest of the ecosystem. You know, the object store in and of itself has an innative advantage, right? And, and we somewhat touched on that earlier. But but the policy engine underneath the covers in Storage Grid that enables you to have these second and third tier actions with your data without the need to go write code to do that or to have a human being who has to think about that, I just don't, I mean, maybe I'm ignorant, but I don't know of anything like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the, it's the crown jewels, right? There's there's a lot of cool stuff we do. Yeah. But at the end of the day, and, and for those that haven't don't want to have to go rewind and sit through 10.0 and <laughs> so what this policy engine is it's basically a built-in service catalog into the storage grid product that allows at an object level granularity think of that right yeah. by the object metadata we can ensure that that object is sitting in the right geography at the right tier of storage protected at the right right level of durability whether it's replicas or our layered erasure coding or whatever all over time so as it cools off, it's taking advantage of more storage-efficient durability schemes, or it's showing up at the right, you know, studio's data center because it knows projects with this piece of metadata end up having to live over here. All automated. And, and the cool thing, and I, I don't want to burn the whole hour on this one, but there's some people that have rudimentary policy capabilities. They tend to be ingest only, meaning when an object comes in, I can make a decision that says make three copies of this or make one copy of this. Right? Yeah. Ours is doing this over the object's life automatically. right? And even cooler is because we don't store the metadata with the object itself, you can go ahead and make a change to a policy two years down the road and say, listen, you know, Dallas is my new cheapest data center. I want my cheap and deep copies over there now. I can change the policy. This is where that 7 billion ILM evals a day comes in. It'll go ahead, evaluate the metadata, and go, these are the things that need to move, right? And, and to tie that together with a 10.4 feature, we've even added an ILM simulator. So you can say, what is going to happen if I actually change this rule, right? Oh, am I really? Gonna, am I going to move 15 petabytes across my most expensive network link? That would be a bad idea, That's right? pretty cool. So, yeah. So now we can simulate ILM. Yeah. yeah by the way, do, do, 
Did we mention the fact that the product understands that different network connections cost different amounts of money to, to leverage? Yeah, we call that link cost groups. Yeah, so you know, if if I can get the object from uh, or uh, achieve my goals using lower cost links, I'm going to do that. And you just kind of arbitrarily put in these cost values to to force the product to make preferential treatments in the network. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because I mean, you don't see a lot of products that can tie the business cost to what you're doing. And that's that's pretty nifty. So along those lines, uh, in, unless there's something else that, that you specifically want to get into, um, what, can we talk about customers? You know, we've been out in the in the market for a couple of years now with with what we we all think are are world beating features. Yeah, yeah. How how are we doing? We're doing well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I'm allowed to say since this is external, but I'll say we're we're growing very quickly as a product, as we would expect to, because this is a growth area, right? Um, I think what's interesting to me is the size of initial deployments has changed pretty dramatically over the last couple of years. So, you know, it, it everybody was from Missouri in the <laughs> old days, right? You know, the for those that are listening internationally, the motto of that state is the show me state, right? You got to prove everything. Um, I think people are comfortable with object storage from NetApp now and are making decisions and deploying huge footprint right away. So that's one thing that's been interesting. Um, I, I'm also seeing customers in new verticals with really interesting use cases. So I've got um, major automotive manufacturers that are gathering all of the sensor data off of the cars during their tests, including all the video, and putting that into massive object stores to use during the quality programs for the cars. It's kind of cool stuff. Um, the media workflows, obviously. Uh, I spend a lot of time speaking to media customers, and that's that's a lot of fun. My kids, you know, love when I send a selfie in front of a studio sign and it's, you know, where their favorite show happens to be taped, you know. I I could see the dad cred rolling in with that particular job. Exactly. Yeah. They're not so excited about auto manufacturers, but, uh, (laughs) but, but studios, that's pretty cool. I let them get older. All of a sudden the cars get cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, you know, we're seeing a lot of pickup in in certain verticals, and and those verticals tend to have really fun and interesting customers. So major manufacturing, media and entertainment, and and it's the whole gamut of media and entertainment companies, from the people that are making major motion pictures, whether animated or live action, um, all the way through you know, the over-the-top distribution of media and, you know, massive service providers in the media space. So we're seeing all of that. Um, so the next big ones I'm waiting, you know, I bet next time when we talk, we'll be talking about things like life sciences and geoseismic info and, and things like that. I think those are ready to go. So uh, since since we're on the topic of media and entertainment, were you guys out at uh, NAB last week? Absolutely. Uh, one of my four weeks in Vegas this year. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm here this week, and we're back again next week. Um, NAB, for those that don't know what it is, it's the National Association of Broadcasters show. I think I want to say it's 120,000 people this year, something like that. It's, it's a, one of the biggest conventions in the world. It's a tiny show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's no insight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, boy, it's, it, to walk around that show is just amazing it just it's like a candy store you have all the latest you know 8k this and that and massive screens and you know full studios set up so it very cool and yeah. all of them just outputting terabytes a second oh, love i just it. love it every time someone puts a bigger number in front of the k to me that's 
I'm thinking object footprint. So, no, yeah, we had a great event at NAB. Um, we NetApp is. I don't know if people associate us with media, but you know, NetApp has been in major media for years and years. I don't. I don't know if we can claim that we're the biggest in media, but. We're certainly right there. Everything from E-series for, you know, super high performance behind things like Quantum Store Next, uh, as well as, you know, FAS and AFF increasingly being used in things like transcoding workloads and so on. And now Storage Grid as the back end for these massive uh, media repositories. So, yeah, so media is a lot of fun. Um, I didn't get to... I didn't get to put my business card and win a new, you know, Red Dragon camera or anything, but... uh, you know, There's always next year. There's next year. Yeah. So I'm 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 a little bit curious. Um, within, I think I'm starting to pick up in some common traits amongst the customers that we talk about from show to show over the years, and and it appears to me that the the power of that geolocation appears to be like one of those defining characteristics that causes a customer to to make the transition and go no. I'm going to rewrite this workflow. We're going to use object because I can write it in San Francisco and read it in Hong Kong and Italy, and I just don't have to think about it. That, that no, You're absolutely on it, right? I mean, if you look at any major new technology that comes out, no matter how cool it is, there has to be a compelling event for someone to consume that technology. Something has to be broken, and, you know, what does what object storage fix? Well, you could say scale, but there's always way to do more scale, right? Look, Flex Group solves the scale problem for files, right? Yeah. Um, it's that geo-distribution is, is certainly a key thing we look for when, you know, sales rep calls into, you know, the tech marketing team and says, hey, listen, I'm not sure if this is an object opportunity or not. You know, one of the first questions is going to be, how many sites? <laughs> and, if, and if the answer is more than one, then, yeah, it's a good fit. Let's go, you know. So along those lines, uh, how's the file bridge been? Has that actually gone the way that we thought it would? And, and are customers using it as a transition to, to go in between the two? Yeah. So the one of the auto manufacturers is actually using it um, just for that purpose in massive ingestion of files that they know are going to be, you know, manipulated and read out in the future as objects. Uh, one of the things that when last time we chatted, I think I said, hey, there's a pretty, you know, we want to be pretty selective about where we deploy the NAS bridge because we had it wasn't the highest performance thing in the world. I'll just be very honest there, right? Um, I didn't mention this in 10.4. We released the 2.02 version of the NAS bridge. It's you know, in a lot of cases, more than 10x the oh, performance of the last release. So you guys don't play around. Yeah. No, they don't. Yeah, no. I mean, it's like, and for that not to make the greatest hits list, that tells you how big a release 10.4 was, right? So. So I'll tell you that there's a lot more use cases that we can answer with with the NAS bridge now, and you know, as well as NetApp's other products in that kind of space, like AltaVault, right? I think since the last time we talked, NetApp implemented AltaVault and Storage Grid in their own IT or infrastructure, right? Yeah, we had uh, we had the service delivery guys in here talking about yep. that. I think I was sitting where you were during that one. It's very possible. It's very possible. All right, so Duncan, you got anything else for us? That is that it? Is that all you got for us? <laughs> yeah, and you I'm know, kind of I'm, disappointed. I'm, and as soon as you publish this, I'm going to get a whole bunch of hate mail for the 25 other features that we released in in 10.4 that uh, I didn't give enough credit to. Right now, if 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 they want to know more, they can just reach out to their local rep, and we'd be more than happy to bring your team in. Yep, yep absolutely. absolutely. Yep. So storage grid, it slices, it dices. 
It does object. Julian Fries. That's, that's a, right. That's the part you're missing. Oh, yeah. Julian Fries. Yeah, Dis- yeah. Geo-distributed Julian Fries. Geo-distributed. With guaranteed durability for 150 years. That's right. Yeah. If anyone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they reach you? Uh, hey, my Twitter handle. Okay, this is how much I've evolved. I have one of those. And if you what? Want, I'm I'm really trying to get my count up over ten followers. So oh, we can do that. <laughs> at NC Dunk uh, is the Twitter handle. That's D U N C, uh, not D U N K. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, do you give email addresses out on these things? Probably uh, not. So we we don't. <laughs> we don't. From time to time, guests volunteer them, they and do. Justin and I are always a little bit amazed. We never do follow ups to see to see if they regretted doing that. But if you want to, feel free. Uh, yeah. So you know what? Uh, go ahead. Have at it. Uh, D more. <laughs> All right. D more at netup.com. Also, there's a storage grid. Uh, Twitter account, isn't there? There is at storage grid. Um, so we get. Uh, we get uh, you get heads up there on when things are coming out, what shows we're at, when new white papers go out, all that kind of stuff. So that's a good one to follow, you know. And we we are we're wherever NetApp is, so you you'll see us at uh, what's uh, Open OpenStack Summit's coming up, right? So in Boston, is that next week? Is is it this week? I don't know. When, when's, when's Andrew gone? So we'll, uh, well, yeah. Dan, well, Andrew's in Boston right now, which is actually why I'm like, is, is OpenStack Summit right now? Okay, so we're there. Um, you know, you missed us at NAB, unless you didn't. And if you didn't, then thanks for meeting with me. Uh, we're certainly going to be uh, big at uh, Insight this year with, you know, more sessions than any previous year and uh, lots of opportunities to meet the engineer, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, we'll as more as more tour dates become available, we'll we'll let folks know. All right. So, Duncan, thanks so much for joining us today and talking about Storage Grid Web Scale 10.4. Um, I'm sure we'll have you back in for 10.5 or whatever we will call it the next time. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast.netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Duncan Moore for joining us today to talk about Storage Grid Web Scale 10.4. Thanks for listening. I'm full. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Duncan seems to have this effect on me. <laughs> Here's a lot of information. It happens, you know, yeah. when when you live and breathe one of the fastest growing segments of the market. Absolutely, I mean, you know, he's, he's had a lot of good conversations. Sure oh this, uh, yeah. Of this I need I need I need a Snickers. Are you turning into a diva? Maybe. Yeah.